0: My friend Steve is uh Neil Diamond's second cousin. True story. No, true story. Okay.
1: Has Steve been on the show?
0: Yeah. Uh no.
2: You mentioned Bono. Are you gonna see you two or?
0: No, he's doing like he's at the Beacon doing uh doing like his own show, Bono. So I was saying, should I go see that? I
2: think they're yeah. doing a residency at the sphere in Vegas, the new thing that's opening. That's they're, MSG's yeah, thing. MSG thing. Oh. when is that?
1: Wait, is that when actually a- opening?
2: When they open, he's there. I don't know if he's doing it or you two doing a residency, but I, just I'm just, I like think for something like that,
1: it would be,
3: be you two. Yeah. yeah. Joe and I saw John Fogarty in Vegas. We saw everything. Uh, he did the halftime show. No, during the Raiders
2: game. Did the halftime? He crammed in his four songs in twenty minutes. <laughs>
1: Guys, go ahead and put your headphones on.
3: for us. Oh yeah. Do do have have one. To,
1: uh, yes. Okay.
3: Headphones, yeah, so headphones. you can hear yourself. So the professional. So watch. Get close to the mic, and then step away. You hear yourself.
2: Testing. You oh go. wow.
3: Yeah. That's pretty cool. How, where do you keep the mic? It, uh, yeah. like, like this. Close. So KRE, which is the regional banks, yeah. it's down almost 8% today. This has got to be its worst day since the pandemic, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, I know for the KBW, so the broader look, it's the worst day since June of 2020. 2020, yeah. yeah. So the
3: biggest holding in KRE is uh, SVB.
1: That'll do it. Because will do but, it. But was it's cut in no, no, no. half. It's only 2%. Yeah.
3: It's only 2%. So theoretically, that should take 1% off off of the, the ETF. It's down 8%. But let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm.
0: If that's the biggest and most well-known regional bank, and it's down 50% in one day, would you honestly expect the other stocks to not be down? Not down this much. But there, some of them are down in sympathy. There's, some yeah. of them, there's liquidation yeah. probably. Yeah, forced people are selling the
1: ETF. Yeah, exactly. Liquidity. And then I think the other thing that's happening. Wait, can did we start recording?
0: We just, we, <laughs> yes. it's, just, it's always on whenever we sit down in the room. I'm
2: like, is this live?
0: It's always
1: yes. live. So um, I think the other thing that happens, especially on the regionals, because you have to look at who their deposit base is, right? So like yes. in the case of Silicon Valley Bank, you're talking about a lot of venture capitalists, a lot of VC employees. They're spending down their deposits. That's a low-cost uh, low source of funding for the banks. So then they're forced to sell other things to meet capital. Banks are to sell other right. things to meet capital requirements. That's kind of what you saw happen with them. But then people are saying, well, are there other Silicon Valley-based banks that have a similar deposit base that could be running into the same problem? Or are there other you know, regional banks that are particularly exposed to certain industries? Do you remember yeah.
0: the oil – do you remember the mini oil crash in 2015-16? Yeah. Yes. Cullen yeah. Frost and two other Texas banks were trading like penny stocks yeah. that, that month. Because those banks have substantial exposure to oil oil companies exactly. and oil company deposits, and exactly and the employee the same thing.
1: base, and you know the mortgages are the employees right. and all of that.
0: Now, I don't think they took down the whole KRE; mm-hmm. those regionals, the way this is, this no. is bigger.
1: I think, well, you also well, yes have- Yes, Look at this chart. Yeah, you also have today. Jerome Powell- I know, I yeah. said it's better. Yeah. You know, talking about more rate hikes happening. I mean, yes, banks like rate oh hikes, but God. until it causes a recession. So you have a bunch of things going on, and people have been saying, like, this is that recession that everyone's just been waiting for. You have the yield curve inverting more. I mean-
0: Oh, today is opening day.
1: Yeah, <laughs> is it? Really?
0: No. It's opening day for the recession.
1: Oh, yes, yes. I thought you- I'm like, no, but we have another month well, of opening days.
0: <laughs> I was on CBC today, and like- Somebody's like, well, why, why are the regional banks down? And I'm like, well, did you look at Silicon Valley Bank? Like, mm-hmm. And somebody else said, yeah, but no, I think it's because initial jobless claims yeah. were higher than expected. It's like, oh, so the KRE is down 8% because there were 10,000 more people filing for unemployment than expected? Which
1: is still within the realm of the normal filing. I mean, yes. you know, more than expected, but still within like the general range okay I'm not going to Honestly, cr- cr- it's bad. we've got Look, sh-
3: I, we've got charts we got, we got I, sh- I've
1: been wrong plenty of times before so I'm not going to be too mean
3: are we yeah. almost ready?
0: yeah do you like my bear brick
1: I do what That's is
0: that it? it's Andy Warhol uh art
1: have you seen the Netflix series I'm on what um on Warhol no uh I think it just launched or maybe I'm just like slow to the
0: to do you you watch documentaries on Netflix right what did you say? Did you nothing? Love you. Uh, no, I didn't see it. Is it good.
1: It is good. I'm halfway through it, but I mean, it takes you through the whole like factory era and just Warhol's weirdness. It's the first thing that I saw that like That's really explores Netflix? his personality. Are you talking about yeah. Tiger King? No. Oh my God. There's a
2: great documentary on Hulu called Too Funny to Fail. What is it? It's um, so you know Jen Rogers, her husband yeah. created 30 Rock, Bob Carlock. No. You didn't know that. No. So I went to high school with him. It's the weirdest story ever. Oh, come on. And he created, so he You went- know
3: everybody. He, You're no, the ultimate just- Kevin Bacon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he went from like writing for SNL friend. He created oh, Joey. You told me about I told the you this story. The and man. then I, when I ran into him in New York, I said, what else he worked on? He said, we worked on the Dana Carvey show, which was him, Dana Carvey, mm-hmm. Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, Louis C.K. When was this? I don't remember this. It was the like...
1: 90s, right?
2: You, no, it was a little bit after that. Okay. It was like some of the most amazing comic writers in the history. The guy who created the Bears on Saturday yeah. Night, Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. That writer who Dana Carvey said is the greatest Saturday Night Live writer ever. They put it together and it did like seven episodes and then it went off the wow. air. <laughs> freeing, <laughs> freeing them all up to become superstars. But the point is it was some of the most hilarious comic writers ever but they were writing jokes that were way over everyone's mm-hmm. heads they were funny for them and they put this thing and it was supposed to be the most amazing sitcom ever and after seven episodes they canceled it so they did a hulu documentary called too funny to fail oh, i would watch that and it's like it's just ex- i'm definitely
3: gonna watch that. it's
2: actually pretty cool it's pretty cool and um yeah they all went on to become amazing superstars yeah they did they did okay mm-hmm.
0: i'd watch i'd watch
3: that
2: yeah so it's pretty cool all
3: right compounder friends
2: but I want to check out that one that you mentioned. Yeah. What's the name of it? These, these
1: these it might just be called in. Warhol. Okay. I mean, I'm sure I'll find just it. Just Google or not Google, but like you know, on Netflix search. No, like, we don't.
3: We say now we say Bing. So like no, Bing. No, oh,
1: right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Nicole broke
0: the law today. We had a fire drill, uh-huh. and she stood on a stool in front of the speaker that the fire marshal's voice comes out of, and muffled it with a pillow because we had people talking to clients in here. And I, I said, love this is, "I love that." This is above. Oh, we were taping the portfolio yeah, rescue. Yeah, we were alive. Okay. Yeah. This is above and beyond the Call of Duty. It's very <laughs> that, ap-
1: for that, something called portfolio rescue though, that's actually kind of a perfect like background sa- Sound to have like the rawr.
0: Oh we have have the fire marshal in man. Yeah. The it's yeah. on Animal Planet. We it's on, it's on right? Animal yeah. Planet. No, we just in me when you're doing it.
3: Because it, it's like it's like shocks It's my not ear. It's oh. not predictable.
2: Like, this is I'm like a mate. I'm impressed with this
0: operation. It's, it's, here. My,
3: it's, a sh- it's an electric shock in my ear. It like fucking hurts. What triggers it? Like static electricity. Yeah,
0: you don't. You don't get it's that.
3: Unpredictable. It's static electricity.
2: This is an amazing setup, by the way. I applaud you guys. Why does that not affect me? Because we share a headphone they're connected. <laughs> it hurts. All right, good. I want to talk to the fucking manager <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm
0: fine with it. <laughs> Carry. Uh, Carry on. we good? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) 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 What episode is it, John? It's episode eight. Uh Uh-oh. Welcome to The Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by me, Michael Batnick, and our castmates are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.
3: Today's excellent episode of The Compendent Friends is brought to you by Invesco's QQQ. You know the symbol. Duncan, look at me. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents. That's the word you're looking for. People who help shape the future by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco's QQQ is a fund that allows you to access the innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all in one fund. So you don't have to be an innovator to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco's QQQ. To learn more about the risks and opportunity of investing in the NASDAQ 100 please visit Invesco.com slash QQQ. The Compound and
0: Friends is taped before a live studio audience. Yo. <laughs> of Duncan, John, the and whole, Nicole. The whole gang is here today. Nicole is here. John is here. Duncan's here. Very good energy here uh, in the studio today. Uh, returning fan favorite Carlton English is back. Carlton. Welcome back.
1: Thank you. Happy Thank new year. you.
0: You didn't notice what we did with the studio. I didn't. And you're like a Broadway gal. I can't believe you weren't like, I, ooh, a new set.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's I, all right. The paint color. I just didn't notice it.
0: It's uh, charcoal. Charcoal.
1: Okay. What is it
0: called? What is this called?
2: Gray flannel.
0: Gray flannel. All right. Uh, let me do your intro. Carlton is a financial journalist covering Wall Street at Barron's. Prior to Barron's, Carlton covered hedge funds at the New York Post, was a writer at the street.com. And a producer at CNBC. Welcome back, Carlton. Thank
1: you. Gray
0: Flannel is a Neil Diamond song. Gray Flannel. One of, one Everything's of, one of, a Neil Diamond song, One apparently. of his classics. <laughs> um, we have a new uh, friend here at the Compound and Friends, but a very an old, old friend. friend of Michael's. He's and, very old. And very mine, old. and he's extremely old. Uh, 108 years old. Uh, Joe Fami is one of my oldest friends in the industry. Joe is an advisor at Zora Capital a New York-based investment advisory firm. Joe has 25-plus years of trading, research, experience, and has appeared on CNBC, Yahoo Finance, Wall Street Weekly, and a lot more. Joe, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have Thank you. Thank you for having me. This what is took ex- so
1: long to get him here? Sorry I interrupted so you. You know no. what?
0: Sometimes you save the best for last. Fair enough. And this is our final episode. <laughs> Let me tell you. This is the season, season, finale. season finale. Uh We're so excited to have you no, here. Thanks for having me. That's exciting. So tell people a little bit about. So you're so you're kind of based in Boston. You've yep. been in New York a lot. You're in Vegas all the time. Yep. You know everybody. You've met everybody. What You've, even are you?
2: What I don't even know what I am. <laughs> no, no, thanks no, no. for showing up on laundry day. By the way, I, I love. <laughs> this is my favorite part about Mike is that he's always. It's always laundry day for him. Is this shirt supposed to be yellow or was it
0: formerly? (laughs)
3: Stop it. It's cream.
0: (laughs) I I, I love Mike. Mike's like my brother. It's cream. Can we color correct that in post? Can we fix that in post? Okay. All right, guys. uh, Stock market is crashing today, but I want to start with like a, not just like what's going on today. Relax. It's having a bad day. It's Uh, it's just a bad day. day. I'm just kidding. Um, Joe, you have a chart that very simply S&P 500 with the 200 day, and the 50 day. John, have that up. Thank
2: you. Yep. Chart on. All right, Joe, what do you want us what do you want us to do here? Long short. Whenever I give talks, I like to keep it very very simple to for people who aren't technicians. Just plot the 50 day for medium term time frame on the S&P 500, which is the blue line on the chart. And if you're a longer term time frame, Plot the 200 day, and I like to think of it as a traffic light. When we're above uh, above those levels, it's a green light that the market's healthy. And when we're below it, it's a red light to get defensive. That's that's when I, the 50 day I, is above the 200. I day. use the 50 day for medium term time frame. When, not when it's above, just in general, usually when we're an uptrend. Above the 50 day, green light for the most part, institutions are supporting the market. And the market's healthy. Below the 50 day, get defensive. Longer term, as you can see, last year every time we we broke through the 200day March of last year roughly when the rate hike started and every a year time ago. yeah yeah a year ago and every time we tried to get to that we broke through it so now the big question is fast forward to today is this now that 200 day going to be support or is it going to break through it but in general that can keep you out of a lot of trouble so when people say I got killed last year I had struggled last year, you're below the two hundred day, so that's usually a sign. So the last test of the two hundred day uh looks like
0: was earlier this month. Yeah. Okay, so like five days ago, basically. Yeah, yeah. All right, but we're still above. Nope, still above. You nope. don't care about crossovers. Well, the day's not over yet. We're close. You don't care about crossovers. crossovers Fifty day don't above add, or below doesn't matter. You don't to do me. golden cross shit. No. no. Uh, That's a, is that a Neil Diamond sign? Golden.
3: Golden, golden Song, cross
0: shit is uh, <laughs> off his nineteen seventy. <1970, laughs> so, so uh, the
3: the environment changed dramatically in just the past like two weeks. Two days. Yeah. Two days. So I wrote a post last week that there's an interesting thing happening where everybody seems the recession is coming. Everybody, you know, air quotes is bearish, but yet small caps are outperforming large caps. Industrials, which are the most highly correlated to the economy, are doing well. Banks are doing well. Semiconductors are doing well. Well, that changed really f-ing quickly. Banks are getting pummeled right now. B- banks are down. The XLF is down 4%. Um, and I said like staples and utilities in healthcare were showing relative weakness, meaning that there was like a risk on environment. Well, today when the market's down 160 basis points for the S&P. Consumer staples down half of that. So all of a sudden, things got real defensive real quick.
2: But is today is today trend or counter trend? It's tough to tell. I mean, you think it's all because of Powell got pretty hawkish on his testimony to Congress. Who didn't, well, expe- well, well, who didn't expect that?
1: Enough people I th- apparently. I think <laughs> the
2: market's got a little bit of wishful thinking, where they're hoping maybe the market's starting to price in the end of this rate. So rate this, is, this is, the, in my in my opinion, the biggest question right now is: is this a rally in a bear market, or the beginning of a new bull market? So
3: this is what this is what changed for yeah. for people that are listening. We're showing the probability of a fifty basis point rate hike. This is from the CME FedWatch tool, and it was zero. There was a zero percent implied probability that they were going to do fifty. As basis recently points as when to start as- the month.
2: At the next meeting? Yeah, in March. In March meeting. So
3: on March 1st, there was a 0% implied probability. I'm sorry, that was February. My bad. In, yeah. in the beginning of February. So it was drifting up. It was 30% a week ago. And all of a sudden, after Powell's, before not his testimony. Um, what was Who, that? Not his performance. No, he's supposed to come. his
1: testimony in front of the House. Was no, it, no this, the, was, l- l- was l- there an
3: inflation l- thing?
2: I can't
3: uh, remember before. what triggered it. Uh, it might've been, it might've been, uh, whatever. Doesn't he matter. spoke this
0: week. This happened this week or this happened week? the day before. It, it doesn't matter know. the time frame.
3: The point is it wa-
0: Chicago <laughs> drinking. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the point is it went from zero in February to 30% in March to 70% overnight a day ago right. it went from 40 to 70%. So the question is like, we have the jobs report tomorrow. I, I assume the market is hoping for a miss right? Yeah. If we get 500,000 jobs again... And a, and a downward yeah, revision work, work for, for January. If we get 500,000 jobs again, the market's gonna going to zero, get killed. It's going to zero. I yeah. think also what scares the support. market
1: more, I mean, thing you know that risk of um, a 50 basis point hike going to 70 for this next meeting is the, that's not going to be it. Mm. You know, it's not just that 50 basis point hike because we're at what, like... 475. Four, yeah, 475 that's, now. So, I mean, 50 basis points, you know, the magnitude of that compared to where we were last year, it's it's an adjustment, yeah. but it's the... Are we going to see more fifty basis That's a great point point Because
2: they've hiked the yeah. probabilities the of the next two right. meetings exactly. going up. But and so the, the market, yeah. the
3: market wasn't reacting like the two year crossed five percent yesterday, but it was on its way up, and the market wasn't reacting. And that to me was like bullish. Like the market sees it, it's not reacting, and then all of a sudden, the 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 traders repriced the probability of a rate hike mm-hmm. going higher, and all of a sudden the market's reacting real quick.
2: I mean, is yeah. the is the market just wishful thinking, hoping? Okay, we went from zero a year ago five, five is the terminal rate. Like, let's just hope he stops there. Or now they're like, oh, he's going to do six.
1: It's so funny because a few weeks ago, my colleague, Megan Casella was working on a piece about, you know, when some people think it might go to six. And it was just, I mean, again, kind of to your point, Michael, like a few weeks ago, it was like six. Pfft. I mean, you're yeah. really going out yeah, on a ledge saying exactly that. And right. now we're like, yeah, yes, six. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's amazing how the market, how the market participants do that. Something that was like five percent was unthinkable mm-hmm. a year ago in March when they did the first rate hike. It was twenty five basis points. Fifty basis point rate hikes were unthinkable. Then they did four seventy fives in a row, like yeah. without a break. So like we keep breaking these barriers of what's conceivable. Do we start talking about seven in April? Like like where where does the train eventually end? Right. I I keep hearing people say,
2: "Well, we're closer to the end." I hope, right. But you made the point on CNBC today that if you told us a year ago we'd be at five, the market's been pretty resilient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been, to your point— Until a lot of- an hour ago. <laughs> 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 You're right. I mean, to
3: your point, there's a- beneath the surface, it's not horrible. Well, because things are too good. That's the problem, Yeah, is that the market is not the market. The economy, consumers—we're going to talk about consumer spending—they're not responding to a tighter monetary policy.
0: How far off the high is the S&P right now?
3: Uh 17? I don't okay. know. I can find out. So, if, it's, yeah, it's if, like if, so if,
0: if I got in a time machine, came back to last March, and whispered in your ear, Michael, um, we're going to do 500 basis points worth of rate hikes in the next 12 months, where do you think the S&P is? Much lower. You probably Way don't lower. think negative 17%.
3: Slide so way lower. The economy, the data has not turned yet. Yeah, earnings per share down a little bit, but not that bad.
2: But Powell acknowledged that in his testimony. He says, I realize these rate hikes have not filtered into the system. So mm-hmm. I think he's open minded where if the jobs report, CPI, all the stuff, the next set of economic data comes in softer, he might that line that shot that might come down to a quarter. It, I, I mean, it absolutely could. It absolutely could because—
0: Guess
3: what? I don't think—I don't I don't buy that. I don't think they're doing 50. I mean, I obviously could be I wrong. So. I don't think so either. I think they're doing 25. I think the market has it wrong.
2: You're probably right because there's—you're also—you you're, want to kill the demand, but you also don't want to break the financial system. Either. So the market right.
3: thinks the Fed is going to panic, panic right. hike, and I think the market is wrong. I don't think they're going to.
2: Yeah, he's like yeah.
3: reserving the right to do 50.
1: Would yeah, you, he wants to keep people on their toes. I mean, we've talked about this a lot where um, the Fed talks too much maybe. Yeah. You know, like there was this whole thing where, you know, you used to try to guess what the Fed was doing based off of the size of like Greenspan's briefcase or, you know, yeah. his like gait when he was walking. His lunch bit- order. Exactly. Right, right. So, you know, now like we get so much information from the Fed. I mean, the press conference afterwards where everyone's asking the same question over and over again. And we're getting too much where I think it, the Fed wants to still have that ability to surprise us.
0: Uh, I think they, I think they always will. But to your point, it would be pretty. It would be a pretty powerful thing to hint at fifty and then do twenty five. It's almost like saying, "I'll do what what I want when I want, what I think I need to do, yep. regardless of what you st- decide to price in."
3: So the meeting yeah. is when is it the twenty 20- third? So if they do twenty five and not fifty, what does the market do?
1: I, I can't say until I see what comes out tomorrow morning with the jobs yeah, number and tell then we also get the inflation. Tell me big.
0: if there's three more Silicon Valley banks out there, and I'll tell you know what I mean, right? Because this this could start it, taking it over. It could be
2: forced liquidation. Who knows? That has nothing to do with the rate hikes. If mm. if uh, if banks have to free assets,
0: let's do this. Let's do this Renaissance uh, macro chart.
3: That- uh, well, this is a bit stale at this point. Um, let's let's look at the next chart. Okay. So, Liz Ann Saunders tweeted the recession probability model uh, based on the ten-year two-year spread has risen to an all-time high. The inversion is pretty extreme here. And Joe, you, you asked a good question in the doc. When did everyone become so obsessed with macro? Um, f- the, we could go years on end with macro really being in the backdrop. Right now, it's all you need to know. Like all you need, to, if you got mm-hmm. if you got the infl- if you got the Fed fund story right. You won.
2: Well, if you want to keep macro simple, the Marty Zweig's expression of don't fight the Fed is very simple. When they provided an accommodative environment after the pandemic. Buy the dips. Don't fight the Fed. uh, Insane amount of um, bond buying. They did more bond buying in six weeks after the pandemic than they did in nine years combined. More treasury purchases in six weeks after the pandemic than from 2009 to 2018 combined. So insane liquidity, kept rates at zero, increased the balance sheet. Then December, January of – December 2021 into January of last year, those three things, they announced the opposite, which is raise rates, no more bond buying, and, and reduce the balance sheet. The balance sheet. So, so if you just
3: kept it simple to that – then you don't want to fight the Fed on the way up and on the way down. So back. Yeah. a year ago, I was saying that. I was saying if you're if you ever said don't fight the Fed on the way up, you should be saying don't fight the Fed when they go. It works both first. ways. Right. However, however, the reason why I've been singing a different tune lately is because the market is singing a different tune. It's not me projecting bullishness. I'm asking why has the market been so bullish besides the last two days? So it was the economy and the stock market fighting the Fed for the last year. Yep.
2: Maybe trying to th- the market's a discounting mechanism. Maybe trying to factor in the end uh, to your point, like everyone's like the end of this hike, but now the market's like, well, it might not be the end.
3: Consumers are fighting the Fed, but the they're answer, not changing their the habits. answer
0: your question, when did everyone become so obsessed with macro? You probably remember this really well in like 2010 and 2011. That's all anyone would talk about. Also is Greece. That's 10 years. Mm-hmm. Europe. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And right, it was right. macro, 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 right. macro. And what was going on in the background of that? You had this new category, this new class of stocks that weren't at all involved in the financial crisis, that started to like really work, like Netflix and Lululemon, and these were like new, like new uptrends for new like big growth. And then Facebook came public, Chipotle, yeah, yeah, that, so, yeah, yeah. So so, and then eventually that took over, and the Fed receded, the macro shit receded. So like, the last gasp was like these uh, shrieking headlines about banks in Cyprus, and finally traders were like, "Who gives a shit?" Netflix is up. every month the last three months. Why are we talking about Cyprus? That will happen again. But I think what makes everyone obsessed with the macro now is, let's say you're an investor, right? Research stock, and you love the stock, and you buy it, and you're like, I think the earnings are going to be great, and then the earnings are great, and then the stock drops 25% anyway. Why? Macro shit. What else are you going to focus on then? You have no risk you have no discipline you don't know how to trade you're just an investor you're like holy shit the fed's comments just took 25% of my money away from me you become a macro obsessive from that point Real forward quick. that's how it happens hmm. and now multiply that times hundreds of millions of people so that's what i what i think is like the current state of affairs people are less focused on the fundamentals of their stocks mm-hmm. because the FOMC shit the inflation stuff it's driving everything and I hope
2: it ends because it's so boring.
0: <laughs> I'm going to steal our
2: friend Brian Lund's line. How does that make me money, though? I mean, I guess it depends if you're a trader or if you're managing a big fund. Oh, it makes nobody money. Yeah, I mean, yeah. my problem with macro, I understand to talk about it, interest rates affects everybody. My problem is that if you go down that dark rabbit oh, it's hole. it's dark. It's dark. And you try to understand it all. Like, my mini rant with macros is we have enough trouble understanding our country's economy. There's 195 countries. Now you're going to claim— to understand how commodities, currencies, fixed income, and stocks in 195 are all commingled. Geopolitics, demographics. Like, oh, it's just too weather. dark and too much. And I'm like, if you're managing a $10 billion global macro fund with offices in Hong Kong and New York and London, I get it. But if you're helping your mom with a Roth IRA, like, stop it. You're like, <laughs> like you're obsessed about you're obsessed about how the Aussie dollar is gonna affect copper prices. And I'm like, come on.
0: Yeah. Just stop it. Do you know like,
3: anybody who does macro who's optimistic? No, so exactly <laughs> not one. So <laughs> I only ever? use macro no, for my yeah. five
2: twenty
0: nine. That's plans. what I mean. That's when the, you yeah. over
2: obsess about it, yeah. you become too negative. Where uh, to steal William? That's the
3: scary place.
2: To steal William O'Neill's line: "I've never met a wealthy uh, pessimist."
0: All right, let's continue on this anyway. macro path, though. What's the next, what's the next chart? I'm okay is Gavin talking Baker. About it. <laughs> so Gavin Baker has, so Love Gavin, by the Gavin
3: way. Baker said, uh, important charts, credit card spending slowed significantly in the second half of February and job openings on indeed continue to decline. E- so he says economic strength in January increased the odds of a hard landing, right? That's what happened. Uh, February weakness makes the narrow path to a sloth landing slightly wider.
0: So, so what, what is in this, what's in this card? Total card spending? It, doesn't it appear that it's going the right direction?
3: It's going down, which is the right direction. That's right. right.
0: Yeah. Um, be, I'm beginning to think that we would never see it, but finally we're starting to see it. And I mean, you and I were talking about tourism. That's the engine behind this. Like it doesn't seem to want to slow down. So at all. how do
3: we get people to chill out with the spending? You first.
0: <laughs> no, seriously. That's what it is. Like I'll stop when you stop. I mean.
1: Yeah. There's. I mean, we've been locked up for, you know, two years. We still want to do stuff. And take advantage of it.
3: I don't want to be like pretend I'm a hero, but the other day I <laughs> I chose not to spend an extra dollar for a chopped salad. I said, you know what? I don't I can you chop it my- What quarks?
1: didn't you? Yeah, bit, what it- bit by to- bit we'll get to. I can chop it myself.
3: I don't need to I don't want to overstimulate the economy. So I said, no, thank you. I will chop it you myself. You're doing your part.
1: Oh, okay. I see. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, not all heroes <laughs>
0: call- <laughs> Carlton. You're still spending up a storm on Broadway. Let's do this. Let's oh, do this. Oh my story. god. Yeah. You wrote what Phantom of the Opera's high ticket prices. Say about the Federal Reserve and inflation, Jack Otter? Let you write this? <laughs> was he? Was he like Carlton? Come on, don't bring your work life, your home life to work. No,
1: Jack actually sent me the report that part of this was based off of. So uh, Torsten Slock at Apollo. Um, so this. Line from february 8th but um he's been just looking at consumer spending at events you know tickets for broadway shows um travel spending yeah. tickets to sporting events i mean people are still spending there now you guys know me i love broadway i really don't know much about sports but you know you go to these broadway shows now and if you look at the databases the shows are selling out at like 90 percent capacity i mean there have been a few that just for different reasons couldn't get the right audience but people are paying top dollar to still go to broadway shows you're even seeing like for shows like funny girl and phantom of the opera people are doing standing room only seats and these are
3: shows that have been in existence for decades i took my my dad to see phantom of the opera a couple months ago for father's day in june did
1: you like was that when they announced that they were closing it or
3: uh it was i don't remember but it was uh phenomenal what a show what a the, the music, come yeah, on! I, the hear, costumes, I hear it's the pageantry. I hear it's popular. So hear do it's you popular. think it's, <laughs> it's not okay? Do you think it's excess in the system
2: or pent up demand from people being home or both? How is it pent up Bowling. demand? It's it's been, it's been a year and a half.
1: Uh, well, Broadway
2: was closed for a year.
1: A year a year and a half That's they reopened. but but it's been open for Well no but here's the thing so Broadway reopened in September 2021 Oh, so okay. 18 yeah, months so what are we talking months, about were- up demand No two no years no from but, now? but listen pant- I'm excuse me but- <laughs> so the- <laughs> <laughs> they were closed for 18 up? months <laughs> Yeah yeah
0: <laughs> wait wait pause what did you do with, what did you do with all, with all that with with all that time not at the theater, I feel like you must have been going crazy.
1: Oh, I was totally going crazy. That's okay. why I'm going to shows now. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube um, you know, just like watching. Like they had like a Liza Minnelli virtual birthday party. Good enough, party. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, whatever, fine. <laughs> but the thing is, so they were closed for so long. But then you had Omicron hit. So that affected shows until, say, what, February 2022? That's when
0: everyone got it, too. Yeah,
1: everyone got it. People were nervous. Shows had to shut down because the casts were getting it. You also didn't have a lot of domestic travel happening then. Now international travel is starting to come back to New York. Like, international travel accounts for, I think, like 15 to 20% of Broadway show attendance. And they're
0: pent up, too, right?
1: They're pent up, too. Right. So, I mean, like— us New Yorkers that, you know, we can walk by the ticket booth and be like, yeah, whatever, I'll see Phantom, I'll see this. But, you know, for people feeling comfortable traveling and coming into New York, whether from other parts of the country or from, you know, international travel.
0: Well, I'm glad New York got that industry back. Yes. Because there were... There wow. Were,
2: what?
3: Sorry, just, John, throw that up, please. That's, right okay. yeah, yeah. that's the same
2: <laughs> yeah. chart as the rate hike probability.
3: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, that's why. So it's, we're looking at... Phantom
2: of the Opera... Uh,
0: what average is this, average, sa- ticket, average
3: ticket price? 200 Yeah,
1: 200? yeah wow. so what you have happening there with the average ticket price, they've announced that they're going to close. So you had it as a show that, you know, was doing reasonably well, but now there's the scarcity aspect to it. Yeah. But, um, no, and, I mean, the thing with Broadway is also, you know, they put in about $2 billion a year for New York City. It's but, so important. But it's not just that $2 billion, It's also the you're going out to a restaurant, you're going hotel to a hotel. Rooms. So really yeah. they bring in about like 15 to 16% or six, 15 to 16 billion.
0: There's a year. multiplier effect of Broadway for the rest of Manhattan. That's mm-hmm. like really important, especially now with nobody showing up at work.
1: Yes. <laughs> in Midtown.
0: <laughs> it's like nice. It's nice that there's some, a, a beating pulse Absolutely. somewhere. All right. I agree. This is a good article. I, I, I read it today. What Thank was the you. ticker
3: for the Empire State Building?
0: E-S-R-T. Mm. Oh, the one I just talked about? You, have, you know there's a REIT? It's the Empire State Building?
3: It's outperforming yeah. out today. Is it really? So, something's it's going only, on. It's only down
0: 25 basis points. So ironically, wow. the best thing that could happen for New York City re, uh, office real estate is a recession. Why is it? Because of, everyone has better, to come to the office. Then you better show up at work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but oh, wow. like
0: there's not going to be any of this work from home stuff. Joe yeah.
1: works those
3: pajamas. He didn't get it.
0: Uh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like don't the people him. around here half of them are sitting home on Mondays and Fridays basically yeah. okay like almost everyone I know is 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 at home at least two days a week
1: Yeah I mean I'm I'm the same and I mean I'm amazed You don't
0: do that when your company says hey we're laying off 20% of our workforce. FaceTime, FaceTime
1: FaceTime Yeah
0: sense. Uh ESRT or mm-hmm. somebody on uh on one of our shows earlier this week it's the Empire State Building basically and then they own a few other properties um if they turn that into condos tomorrow, mm-hmm. they would sell out the whole building.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: Right? Like, yeah. I live in the Empire State it Building. It Are you kidding op- me? It's only office? It's only office.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's, it's only no,
0: zoned no. for – one of the things that New York City is trying to do now, and uh, Mayor Adams is big time behind this, they want to do conversions of all this office real estate. Mm-hmm. We have a huge shortage of apartments. The average New York City apartment rent is now $5,200 a month, which is absurd. Yeah. And we have all these office buildings that are half empty. It's the most obvious trade in the world. Mm-hmm. But we have zoning that has to get changed to make that happen, not to mention all the construction. Right. But I was, I was saying to myself, Empire State Realty Trust, it's a $7 stock, $2 billion market cap. I'm sure it's got tons of debt. I didn't even look. That's the kind of thing they'll figure out something to do with it.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. No, I think you're right. I mean, it would— Condos would just be perfect.
0: It's a one-of-a-kind asset worldwide. Yep. You cannot uh, build people, another one. Yeah,
2: they'd pay a premium to live there.
0: You cannot, you cannot replicate. And you still make money on the
1: tourism store. as well.
0: So yep. I, I feel like there's gonna be worse headlines for office real estate mm-hmm. this summer. But I'm like, that's the one I'm watching. All right. Yeah. So
3: are are the are the bad headlines speaking of behind us with regard to tech layoffs? Connor Sen tweeted after the big spike in January, tech layoffs fell significantly in February. My premise is the big, the big headcount right sizing is over and a pickup and layoffs from here would signal more of a macro issue. Josh, I forget who you're talking to uh, oh Dan Nathan, companies got the playbook right on mm-hmm. what Wall Street wants like there was, there's been a, a, a massive spike in layoffs uh, Meta just announced another round of them Salesforce I mean everyone—
0: respectfully to Connorson I just I don't I, I don't see how you make this call so tech layoffs fell no, significantly in February look at March look at March. Yeah.
3: I mean, I know it's early. I know it's only 10 days in. I
0: think layoffs beget layoffs and they come in waves and there's a pause at some point. But like you you just overall, there's going to be less demand for this type of worker, like throughout all of corporate America, not just tech. But tech is still like it's still probably 2x the number of employees than they've ever had before on a headcount to revenue ratio or whatever. I just, I, I think it's you, early.
3: You think those January numbers are going to be eclipsed? <sighs> January is always going to be, if you have a layoff cycle, Whatever, it's November, always going to be whatever. big
0: because people don't do anything in You December. think we're going to get a spike like that again? No, but you could get a year of something yeah. that's half of that yes. yeah. And, yeah. and equal more of it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's, I don't know. I'm making shit up though. How do I know? Just like my guess, once this train gets started, I've never seen it stop that abruptly. Right. So, and I've lived through a few of these. Dude, cycles.
3: yeah. There's so many
1: things and we've never seen. This, also, you've had activists go in after some of these large tech companies that yeah. were thought to be impenetrable. And I mean, activist investors—they love cost cutting. What does that mean? Layoffs. So, you know, big companies, even if they don't have an activist in them, to avoid getting one, they're going yeah. to have to justify their. And by the way, yeah. it's a
0: good point. And by the way, it works.
1: Yeah, the stocks go up. Ex- I, I, I've always hated seeing that. I mean, yeah. you can understand why. Oh, they're cutting costs, but I mean, just as a human being, yeah, it it's just. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, it's three thirty. All right, as we're recording, it's three thirty Eastern. We're about to. We're about to hear. We're about to hear from Oracle and DocuSign. You could hear layoffs from both. I mean, they've. Mm-hmm. They, there's or like that's the thing that makes the stock prices go up this year. That's yep. the hot thing now. Yeah, we're like getting control over
1: spending, and also, I mean, they acquired so many employees during the pandemic. I mean, they got very excited on that side. I mean, many of these companies, I can't speak specifically to Oracle or DocuSign, but you know, double their workforce during the pandemic when they probably didn't really need to.
0: These are people that attend meetings for like all day. They
1: don't even work. The clipboard people. Like they're just like walking around just constantly, you know,
0: how do I get that? How do I get that job?
3: The, uh, the VIX is having its first like big green bar day in a while. So it's not, I mean, it's not that high. It's like 22, 23, but big green candle for the first time in a while.
2: How do you feel about big green candles in the VIX? <laughs> <laughs> I don't look at the VIX. I, really? I, I honestly don't look at the VIX. 25 years of doing this, I've probably looked at the VIX five times. And people hate me when I say that, but I don't pay attention. Well, so you, you
3: don't, you don't, you, you watch the market very closely. Yeah. If you just watch the market, you know what the VIX is doing. Like, it doesn't do anything for you. could look green, at your
0: yeah. stocks and know what the VIX is doing. Yeah, my stocks it. tell me. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um... What's this uh earnings down no recession equities higher?
3: This seems like sort of a, a moot point at this point given like Throw it up. what's happening in the market today, but let's just zoom out. Uh this idea that we're going to have earnings come down uh but avoid a recession with the stocks higher, <laughs> which sounds like a, a cocktail that you can you can never like, right. concoct. It's happened. It's happened look, actually. Look at this. It's actually 19, happened a bunch.
0: 1998, 1986, 2016. Is that 1916 so 2016
2: or 2016? was an earnings recession, earnings recession. without yeah. an economic recession. 90, so are they 93? saying we could have that again?
3: Yeah. Uh, just the fact that it's possible. Earnings down, avoid a recession. Whose chart is this? And this stocks is, higher. This is good. I like this. This looks like uh, Evercore ISI. Don't you
0: feel like this is the kind of question that like people get all the time from clients? Like, If you know earnings are going to be down, um, why do you think that you know stocks- I think just
3: a simple- I mean, Joe, you would probably agree with this. The market- knew that earnings would be down 12 months ago.
0: Yeah. yeah. Right. Started acting
2: that way at least. Discounting mechanism.
0: Hey Joe, you you uh you wanted to talk a little active passive, which we haven't done in a while. Yeah. And um you mentioned three things Kathy Wood did right and the biggest thing she did wrong. Edu- edu- educate us, if you would.
2: Um I we haven't had this this discussion in a while on active versus passive. Yeah. I think there's this constant my feeling on it as an active manager is I think there's room for both. Meaning I think when the market goes straight up, everyone just wishes that they were passive. And then when the market goes down, they wish that their advisor had maybe reduced exposure or their broker or whatever. So I think there's room for both. I think longer term, if people don't have the time to do it, an advocate for what you guys do, just stick with things 10, 20, 30 years. But leading into the Kathy Wood thing, if you are trying to manage an active portfolio, And you are trying to outperform, which is what I'm trying to do. Kathy Wood did – the way she did it in whatever it was, 2020?
0: 2020, 2021.
2: Yeah, where she did it in three ways, which is stock selection – uh, concentration, and then the conviction to hang on to those ideas. Those are the three things. So first one is William O'Neill says 90% of people fail because they buy nothing to write home about stocks. So a lot of people are buying garbage, penny stocks. I just offended everyone. But my point <laughs> is like, y- you know, you want to try to buy companies with strong earnings and sales. So she happened to be in some, that's what she did with, she with te- stocks, tes- Tesla, which was the best yeah, stock of the yeah, year. Stocks- oh, I'm
3: Teladoc. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: stock selection. At the time, during the pandemic, a lot of them grew their earnings and sales. So her stock selection was strong, and Tesla was one of her concentrated positions. Number two, is con- which leads into concentration. Um, she held between 30 to 50 stocks, and was it's a concentrated portfolio. Ken Huebner, CGM Focus Fund, he's in 20 stocks, 5% positions each. Like, when you're right, you do well and you outperform. So it's stock selection, concentration. And then the conviction to hang on to them. And I mean, you got to tip your hat. She had a 10%, I think the max that ARC would allow, a 10% position in Tesla and wrote it for whatever, 400%. Yeah. Fearless. So, so when she made 150% uh, percent that year, half of it was just holding that Tesla position. So that's how, if you want to be active, that's how you can outperform. The, the problem with the last part of it, which she could have done, uh, was is risk management, meaning you either have to eventually say this stock has made an insane move, sell into strength with technicals, valuations, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like to say Tesla split adjusted is going to go from 200 to 4,000 and miraculously get that right. You can't now say, okay, 30,000. Like at some point you have to take some off the table. So you either have to sell into strength or when they technically break down. So I applaud her for what she did in outperforming. But the biggest part that she made the mistake was – and not managing risk and taking profits off of the table. The other thing yeah. that I'll say, well though. Done. Well, I, well done, you know. Joe. I agree, with well, all of, I agree with all of that.
0: Well,
1: I think like the thing with Kathy Wood is, you know, I think 20, 30 years from now, the world is probably going to look a lot like the things that Kathy Wood has in her portfolio. You know, I mean, we're going to probably have more EVs, you know, more digitization, um, all of that stuff. So I think she's very good at understanding trends and, you know, this kind of futuristic look on things. But that doesn't always make you money. No. And I think to, right. to your point, it's that, you know, yeah, have the conviction when it's working your way, but realize that when the market, which doesn't necessarily understand, you know, think about where things are going to be. I mean, of yes, the market is future looking, but not these big idea sorts of things. Yeah,
2: well, But when you study yeah. history in a stock, like the one she held, Zoom, mm-hmm. DocuSign, whatever, when they go up two, three, four, five hundred 500 percent. I mean, pigs get slaughtered. You have to take profits so, yes, at some I, point. Absolutely. I don't disagree yeah.
3: with any of the three points you made. They're all yeah. excellent points. The only thing that I would ask you is these aren't separate accounts. These aren't individual investors' mm-hmm. money. She can't swing to cash. So let's say – let's granted that she said, you know what? I love Tesla, but I made a 1,000% in 2020. I'm going to cut my position in half. What should she have done with the proceeds? Utilities. She said, no, but for real, she's nothing. Not, she's that's, not be, that's the point. No, not, that, but
2: no, and you're you're right. In certain mutual funds, ETFs, their mandate is they have to be ninety yeah, percent stocks, a hundred percent invested. So to your point, are well, you going to miraculously switch into all pharmaceuticals and cash. energy? And, wait, wait. She. Can't I don't hold, know. I don't know her mandate. I'm pretty sure she can hold cash.
3: But nobody's but paying her for Not that 20% anyway. cash. Right. Yeah, yeah but um, like, like one of the Fidelity
2: she, funds, 90% st- uh, stock, 5% cash, 5% bonds. That's she, like Fidelity let's say she, whatever, let's say Contra she, Fund.
0: Let's say she called you in the fall of 2021 when the gravy train for like high beta tech ended Yeah. and some of her stocks started to break down. What would you – if she said to you, listen, I can't hire you um, because we don't manage money technically, but – what should I do from your perspective on risk management? What's something simple enough that I, Kathy Wood, a non-technician, could implement right now? What would you have told her?
2: I mean, some of those valuations got incredibly stretched. But what could she do about that? I mean, you gotta, I, I mean, that's pick, the thing. Pick I, different I, stocks. I don't know what they're, if they're or, using technicals. Of course, no, of they're course
3: definitely, definitely not. not. But yeah, you do. <laughs> I would have <laughs> said
2: when you study history, if your stock's up 500% and you're not selling it, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, so
3: is it, is
0: it? Is it? She did. Say, she sold some stuff. She along sold the way.
2: some, but she wrote too much of it down. I mean, so really quick, Ken Huebner in two thousand and seven, CGM Focus Fund, one of my favorite managers. He did the exact same thing. It just there wasn't social media, and everyone. He was up eighty percent when the when the S and P was up, crushing it, three and a half, crushing it. Because yeah. at the time, when oil went from fifty to one hundred fifty, he owned all the potash mosaic fertilizer, oil service, steel. Yeah, yeah. Copper, Mac aluminum, gas. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he did eighty percent. He was on the cover of Forbes or Fortune as an in, uh, investor of the year, manager of the manager year. of the year. Yeah, yeah. And then he went from two billion to ten billion in assets, and then had a sixty-five percent drawdown. Literally, the identical story. Yeah. And I'm not picking on Kathy. I'm not picking on. But at some point, all of those stocks went up three, four, five, eight hundred percent. You have to – I don't know what you switch into, but you have to realize they're you, not going I up I guess forever. what
0: I'm asking you is do you tell her, okay, here's what I would do if I were you. I know you love these stocks. I know you love their future, their outlook 10 years out, but just do me a favor. Uh, use a trailing 50-day moving average. Look at it on a weekly basis. A close below, just cut your position in half.
2: Yeah, like going, something like that. Going back to what I said in the beginning, if you just used the 50 day or 200 day, she would have saved at least half of her losses. But then the, to Michael's that,
0: point though, what are you what right. selling out of those stocks, she's not
2: buying uh Smucker, she's not buying Clorox. <laughs> like she's not going to do I that mean, trade. She's a growth manager in high beta names and high value. Sometimes you names. just
0: got to let a player play.
2: I mean, <laughs> you
0: know what I'm I, saying, Carl? I, I, <laughs> let's let's not,
3: Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the banks. Uh
0: Are there any left? <laughs> so all right, the XLF, how much is the XLF down on the day? It's a big, it's a big drop. It's
3: really bad. Uh let's see. Sorry, I'm on a 15-minute chart, my bad. Let me let me adjust Are you on,
0: are
2: you on delayed quotes?
3: Stop. He's on, down <laughs> down he's
0: four on Yahoo Finance. It's, like down, it's down four. Uh four is not terrible. What's the regional bank, ETF? Down eight. That's Oof. yeah. it's gross. All right. Let me set th- let me set this up. First of all, put this chart up. This is SVB Financial Group. Uh, so other, otherwise known as Silicon Valley Bank, but they own other businesses. Speaking of the
2: Empire State Bank, and right. by the way, before we
0: say a single word about any of this stuff, like none of us take any pleasure, no. in falling stock prices for any company. These companies have employees; they have people right. whose families are counting on the income that they make working at these firms. So, like, we might like crack a joke here or there, but like, this is obviously not funny for the people who are invested or or
3: work at these banks. That being said. Holy shit. Yeah. Guess what? This the, is stale, by the way. It's, it's $110 right now. It's worse? It's $110. Yeah, it's
1: been cut in half today. It's okay. down It's
0: down 60%. So Silicon Valley Bank was wow. $700 a share, and it's 100 what? 10. Okay. This stock is down approximately 80-some-odd percent from its high, 50% on the mm-hmm. day. Um, I've almost—I would say I've never seen anything like this, but I have. But it was 13 years ago. Or f- 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, this is one of the worst financial days I can remember.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and when you look at the bank indices, we're looking at a day that's on par with the onset of the pandemic. Well, not the onset, but, you know, kind of June 2020. But, yeah,
0: they're right there now.
1: Yeah. So when you look at Silicon Valley Bank, and I will say this, I'll admit this is a bank I wrote positively about about two years ago. Their client base.
0: I was going to ask you about that. Were St- you really? Stay the course. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go on.
1: But um, client base, it's in the name, Silicon Valley oriented. They're a banker to venture capitalists and startups. And with rates rising, you know, that's not a great business. Well, let's
0: tell people, let's tell people what prompted today. Right. Like explain it for the the listener that's not uh, focused on this.
1: Okay. So a lot of things I'm going to do my best because it's a lot of moving pieces. Okay. So you have- One, a client base that is mostly exposed to growth tech-oriented names, you know, VCs, startups, that sort of stuff. You have them burning through cash. So you have your deposits going down. No IPOs, exactly, Exactly. So you have that happening. Now, banks look to deposits as a low-cost source of funding. So then you also have, okay, well, that low-cost source of funding is drying up. Well, now we have to go to our securities portfolio, which is a mix of stocks and bonds, mostly bonds, um, with rates rising, bond prices go down. But- they need to sell these bonds to raise capital, so they're selling them at a loss. In the case of um, one point eight billion yes, dollars, exactly.
0: Wait, so what do you mean? What, so what do you mean by the, one point? The billion? yield
3: of the securities that they sold, to Carlton's mm-hmm. point, these are these are deposits that you turn into bonds. Unfortunately, it sounds like they were maybe they were maybe uh, uh, off sides with respect to like their duration. So yes. they sold securities at a yield of one point eight percent with a three point six year duration. They took a one point eight billion dollar hit on that. So, it lost money
0: in treasuries, like
3: which yeah. is not great for a bank. Um, they had to raise common stock, yep. they did a convertible offering. And, John, if you show the next chart, please, to Carlton's point about outflows, which is cash burn.
1: There's we're so looking- much going on in this chart, I, know, it's a yeah. I don't even want to look <laughs> at just, it. Just look
3: at the pink line is that a sunset? Just, <laughs> just look at the, the, <laughs> the pink line is cash burn. So, the companies that bank with Silicon Valley Bank are startups, and they are. Hemorrhaging cash, mm-hmm. and so you get the situation where you raise a lot of money, you delete your existing equity shareholders, and the, the bank crashes. Give me that price yeah,
2: chart. Give me that price chart again. So you multiply that by several this, banks. Is that where there's some liquidation going on? Well,
0: this was the biggest bank in the index. This is it's was oh, it was, it was well, so uh, the,
2: a nine billion dollar market cap, but it yeah, was like twenty five so billion.
0: There, there it is. This is live. This is so you know what this is. This is live by the sword, die by the sword. Look at this ride higher. From Mm -hmm. let's say middle of – let's say 2015 up until 2021, that's six years of rocket ship returns for a regional bank because they're just like collecting all of the the benefits of being the banker to – the biggest startups, exactly. the hottest companies. Does but, crypto play any part? Well, in I was thing?
3: about to say, so, so uh, yeah, before we get to the crypto, crypto adjacent so, yeah. so it had a market cap of $45 billion at the peak in November 2021. For how much? 45. Oh, I just said 25. It's, 45. It's now six. So not only, Holy it's like shit. today feels different because there's just forced liquidation. Um, so... You've got you've got Sil- uh, Silvergate. This is which bank? Silicon Valley Bank. I yeah, apologize. I've Silicon- <laughs> getting this. These confused. Okay, and then and then alongside this or separate, but I guess related is you have Silvergate, which is the largest bank to the crypto industry. All which, in on crypto. which started out as a home loader, They're just a commercial bank. Yep. Uh, in San Francisco, went all in on crypto. The market cap peaked at $6 billion. It's now under 100 And they're about, well, it's going to, I don't know, I don't know where it's going. They're liquidating. They're liquidating, right. yeah. They're liquidating.
0: There's three things that are remarkable to me about uh, Silvergate. First, almost the entire float was sold short. Mm-hmm. And the shorts were so right that there wasn't even really a chance of a squeeze. Right. Like the shorts just nailed this situation. And the situation was they're doing – they're the bank of crypto, which means inevitably if you're in that space, you're doing business with people that you should not be doing business with and the money is flighty.
1: Well, and I think what's interesting, too, and a few others have pointed this out, where in the case of Silvergate, I mean, crypto is the big story, right? You know, we've all seen what's happened to crypto prices. We, we can all be cynical with the blowups that have happened elsewhere. But this is also just a traditional failure of risk management. It's a failure yeah. of, you know, matching your assets to liability. I mean, it's just, it's the very basics of running a good bank just fell apart here. And I mean, yes, obviously, the crypto takes the headline for it, but th- it's also a, the basics we're missing. Matt
3: Levine wrote about this today. Mm-hmm. The crypto companies that use Silvergate that had deposits at Silvergate were getting zero percent interest. There was no interest that they were receiving. So all Silvergate had to do was wow. literally park it in six month treasuries, and they yeah. could have earned a monster spread. Mm-hmm. What did they do? Not that they 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 engaged in. I don't want to say re- listen, they weren't reckless, or but they went out on the treasury. They went out on the curve, mm-hmm. and they did things that a bank, a properly run bank, would not have done. Here's another exactly. one
0: the shorts are talking about now is Signature Bank. Mm-hmm. This is SBNY. This is this is I, they're they're calling this crypto adjacent. They were one of the few banks to bank crypto companies, and they said at the end of last year, "We've had enough. Yep, we're going to wind down that part of our bank." I guess not fast enough. And this thing is, do we have this? Oh, this is it. Uh, this thing is four times forward earnings. Does anyone believe those forward earnings? <laughs> Um, this was a three hundred and fifty dollars stock that went to where is it now ninety two, or something. Oh, here is a PE ratio. You want to be a contrarian? Oof. sub five, sub five uh, PE. Buy Joe, buy as much
2: as you can. <laughs> <laughs> is this not? This look reminds like the, me of that phrase: "Just when you think things can't go higher, they do, and just when you think they can't go lower, they do." This, this, is yeah. this one of the f- worst falling knives you've ever seen? Yeah, I wouldn't touch it.
0: There's still a lot of market cap left here to evaporate. J.P. Morgan reiterated. Uh, uh, overweight on this thing today. What? They said they have like a billion dollars left in crypto exposure. The bank is fine.
3: Well, good I'm for not saying it. it's yeah. true. I'm
0: saying that's that was the argument. Which, it, well, credit yeah. to them, instead of like downgrading a stock after it fell 85. percent I right. guess they're why would my point is why wouldn't JP Morgan just buy it?
1: Yeah,
3: just buy it four times Dude, earnings.
0: Jamie Dimon's He's not trying to get
3: into that business.
0: Uh, there, let
1: it run out, and I mean,
0: wait. Oh, this was this was not today. This was three days ago. This is this week, though. Um, in a note to clients published Monday, J.P. Morgan reiterated an overweight rating on Signature shares, writing, quote, on an overall basis, the mid-quarter update provided by Signature threads the needle as the company continues to reduce exposure to digital asset related deposits, but most importantly, at a pace that appears to be dictated by Signature, rather than
3: by the markets. Okay, so this was not a contr- good, con- okay. This is on Monday? <laughs> yeah. All oh, right, it happens. It's bad timing. It, it happens. Oh, I want to ask you this. So like two or three weeks ago, you had all of these headlines coming out about Silvergate, uh, that State D- Street took a, a a position. Right. BlackRock, uh, Citadel, Josh Telsen. That tells money me, wiped out. Josh Telsen for market-making it would purposes. Have to be, yeah. What would yeah. What was going on there? I, Any color?
1: And No, honestly, I don't I think, understand. Like, I don't know why you would touch it because we kind of knew where this train was headed. I mean, and again, I don't want to make light of it as, you know, Josh was saying earlier, but.
3: Is that just an immediate write down? I mean, I don't see how it could be anything else.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Ken Griffin, Citadel Securities reveals 5.5% in crypto bank Silvergate. This is February 14th, Valentine's Day. They say, maybe it doesn't say that here. Oh, the filing was a result of the firm's market making operations, as opposed to a directional investment in Silvergate.
3: But that's that's Citadel. So they obviously just made a freaking killing, buying the shares and and lending them.
0: Soros had put positions representing 100,000 shares of Silvergate as of December 31st. The closing price then was 1740. Um, that's probably worth a lot of money today. I'm I'm I mean guessing. All right, so the shorts were all over these things and they were dead right. Is it? So here's a question. As somebody that covers the banks, mm-hmm. are there others out there or are these the big ones that we just w- ran through?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think these are the big ones um, and I want to be careful saying names of um, yeah, banks yeah, right yeah. now in this sort of situation, but where you would look for something like this to sweater out is look at other banks that have the heavy client exposure to- San
0: Francisco-based banks. Is this a heavy client exactly. exposure? Cupertino-based banks. Joe, who's yeah. your banker? <laughs> All right. So I could run a screen of banks that are based in Northern California.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you just look at where the deposit base is and, you know, are these ones that are going to be, you know, going through cash burn like we saw with Silicon Valley. I mean, that's where I would start looking, um, you know, just like we were talking earlier about uh, in 2015, 2016, banks that had exposure to the oil patch and how they did. You know, it's you just have to look at those banks that have sensitivity to certain industries. So doesn't
3: this provide opportunity for real investors that actually can go through the filings and do like real investor homework? Yes. Like this bank is getting sold, babe, with the bathwater, but they're not exposed. Are you the more- any, exactly. Are you any
0: financials now? No. Th- none of them look good? No. Okay. Really? But your book is probably pretty small in terms of number of names right now. Yeah, is- I
2: keep it pretty concentrated, but it's mostly growth stuff. So I'm not, uh, I don't trade in many financials. Is a big rebalance happening
0: uh this spring where a lot of the fintechs are going to move out of tech and into finance so financials are going to become a bigger part of the s&p as a result do you know the do you know what the percentage is going to be or i don't know if i
1: I can't remember offhand but i mean i know it's like going to be names like paypal going into it and that's going to be a
0: bank now yeah it always should have been exactly okay i mean i
1: know that the banks would have wished that they'd be regulated like a bank yeah (laughs) right
0: well i don't know they have their own set of rules uh Nobody's quite sure for how much longer that could go on for. Um, One thing vaguely on this topic, the U.S. government transferred a billion dollars worth of confiscated Bitcoin into their own Coinbase wallets. Um, They're not long-term holders. Like people are like a little spooked that they're starting to dump all the crypto they got from uh, various hacks and other stuff that they've recovered. Did you read about this?
2: No. No. I
0: saw the article when you posted it, but I didn't. I didn't. Um, I, don't know, I don't know much about it. I don't know anything about it at all. Um, but Bitcoin now twenty one thousand.
3: Nope, twenty thousand four hundred.
0: Go, going, <laughs> it's down. going down. All right, uh, Joe. What are you trading these days? Are you li- are you like at liberty to talk about the areas that you're involved in? Or? You don't have to name
2: tickers, but yeah, yeah. sectors. Yeah, I mean, I software semis, biotech. Those are growth sectors that are hanging in there pretty good. I those have all had a big bounce year to date. Yeah. It's like some some of the semis that go into car parts. I mean, you know, for sensors and everything that's going on, there's, there's, even in a difficult economy, there are companies that are still growing.
3: You actually combine fundamentals with technicals. He's a, yeah, he's a, he's a screen guy. Which, which makes a lot of sense. Why don't you think, so you want to buy businesses that are growing their earnings per share because those are the biggest winners Yeah. and you want to make sure that they're going in the right direction. Correct. How come not, how come that sounds like a novelty, which seems so obvious?
2: I don't know. I mean, the market's hard enough. Why, why not? use everything in your mm-hmm. arsenal to help your probabilities of success that's all it is so many people think it's black and white and it's not There's a lot of gray area so use everything you can so they did the studies on the biggest winners throughout history and why does a stock or company go up if the stock goes up because they're growing their earnings and sales for the most part that's why stuff stuff you used goes to up. give this awesome
0: presentation at events like the hundred baggers throughout history like yeah. what did the biggest winners of all time have in common yeah. What are some of those conclusions that that you, you've you drawn for people that have seen At least
2: seen 30% earnings and sales growth, at least. Annually? Uh, year over year, annually, yeah. 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 Um, they tend to IPO in the last five years, so the lesson there is don't be afraid of new companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in the late 80s, early 90s, Intel, Cisco, Microsoft, Dell, those were monster winners. They also IPO'd at a much lower valuation because yeah. you couldn't get funding back then like mm-hmm. you could now. So earnings and sales growth, newer companies – um, they come from certain sectors, mostly computer related, medical. Uh, you know, uh, even re, even retail. high profit margins. Even yeah, even retail, retail restaurants and retail clothing as well. Right. So like Panera Bread went public, split adjusted at like four dollars. They got taken out at three hundred and fifty stuff like that. So Chipotle's been a monster. So it's it's retail, restaurants, clothing, computer related, software, semis.
0: So but you're also medical. Doing, medical. You're also doing risk management. So I think what you're trying to do. You're trying to find those companies, but then not be fully exposed to them the whole way up because Correct. a lot of them have huge drawdowns along the way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I use technicals to manage the risk because I'm a big fan of the institutions are controlling everything. So if I buy 10 shares, Carlton buys 10,000 <laughs> shares, it's not going to matter. It's the big pension funds, mutual funds, hedge funds that are trading hundreds of thousands, if not millions of shares. When the technicals shares.
0: and the fundamentals disagree, is to answer Michael's question, why doesn't everyone just do that? Because there's going to come a juncture, always, every stock, where the fundamentals look great and the stock price is tanking. Yeah. And when, when the fundamentals and technicals disagree, you have to choose.
2: Yeah.
0: Which, mar- which, which one am I listening to? Am I sticking to my guns because the CEO is awesome and the products are great? Or the market's breaking down, I'm going to believe the market,
2: and maybe I'll buy it back later. That's why it's so hard, right? Yeah, it's you have to separate your ego from everything because there are companies I absolutely love, and the technicals are garbage, and I don't own them. There are mm-hmm. companies that make no sense to me, and the technicals are amazing. Okay. And, like I'll give you an example, like Zillow. I love the platform. I think Zillow is like the when you think. I own of, the
3: stocks, so watch your math.
2: <laughs> when Go you ahead. think of housing, it's anyway, like it's the, garbage. It's, <laughs> it's like it's no, but it's like the Google. When you what's the first thing you do when you think of housing? Zillow. Yeah. And it's a platform. Why isn't this a monster company where you could literally combine financials, sell houses on there, it's make it uh, an make, Fed. make it an amazing mm-hmm. platform and I've loved the company but big difference between a company and a stock. Right. The stock did well years ago but again with interest rates I get it but I don't understand why this isn't worth more. But that's an example of I love a company, I don't own it because the technicals are garbage. So the
0: technicals will so the technicals will win for you. Yeah. So when those two things just dis- disagree you believe price. And Joe's humble.
2: I try, yeah.
0: No, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's that's where you'll you'll yeah. say, okay, the price is the price. Because Tell me I'm, the story
2: later. I'm trusting the big institutions have resources. I don't have teams of analysts that do all this stuff. I don't go meet with companies and all this stuff. And I will trust that if they are backing the stock where they're supposed to at a logical support level, that means they're believing in it over three, five, ten years. If they're not, I'm not going to get in their way.
1: I just wonder, I mean, is there a difference between approaching it as a trader versus an investor? Yes. Because, you know, if you're looking at a trade, like, yeah, I would follow the technicals more, but if you're looking at it as an investor- Oh, I agree with that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I agree. And the thing is, the thing with investing is it's so much easier in hindsight Mm -hmm. because there, again, there are amazing companies right now, but I wouldn't say they're great stocks because they've already had their growth period. So I know I'm going to upset more people with saying, okay, Apple, Amazon- Google, amazing companies, but they've gone up so much. Are they going to triple from here? Probably not statistically, but are they going out of business? No. So the point is like, are you going to invest in them? And that's- You know what has to happen there? Their shareholder base has to turn over. Or yeah. they have to pay a dividend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in the example- that's how you do it. You With get Intel, you Microsoft, Cisco, in. yeah. they went to their huge growth period in the 90s and then they went sideways and then to keep your investors you have to pay a dividend. Apple mm-hmm. did it, but the others haven't yet. So. Right, that's exactly right because what the shareholder base turns over, the people who are looking
0: for that 20, 30% return in the stock, it dawns on them that's not likely. This yeah. is a 3 trillion dollar market cap. I right. should not expect that. And they move on. They go to Shopify or whatever. Right. And the new investors that step into the breach are like, oh wow,
2: 2% yield. Value, yeah. value mm-hmm. growth at a reasonable price, pay a dividend, and to your point, that's more investors. Right. And it just depends on what you're looking for. I mean, it depends on if you're value trader investor, and even as an investor, are you a growth investor or value investor?
3: One of the, like the, we are in such a unique transition period in the economy and of the market and in life. <laughs>
1: Are you Is there going to be a big reveal here? <laughs> I know. I, no, I,
3: no, I feel like no, that, no, yeah. no. Yeah, no. Just no, just more. no, the markets, the market is <laughs> yeah. generally struggling for direction. There's been a lot of bear market rallies. the The trends are flat, right? There is no trend in the market. It's up and it's down. It's up and it's down, mm-hmm. and that is, I guess, not to be expected, not to be unexpected, when you go from the Fed funds rate at zero up to four seventy five, and who knows where it goes. A year from
2: now someone made a great point that almost like politics are now trans translating over to the markets where everything's so binary like it's either has to be a bull market new highs yeah. or new lows yeah where why like I agree. why is it so divisive like why can't we just be in a range for a while and because everyone's a passive investor now and they want that index up
0: like that's that's why it's like not enough to have could, some stocks you could up. be
2: in a range for a while yeah, I agree. we don't. Maybe we don't go to new lows or new highs. We just sit in a range. One of the things
1: I've wondered too is when you look at you know the market participants now, um, they've only known chaos. I mean, you look at the older millennials, Gen Gen X, Gen Z coming up, where it's you know it was dot com bubble, it was nine eleven, it was the war in Iraq, it was the great financial crisis, it was the pandemic. It's so it, this generation of traders that you know everyone used to say they're young. Well, now they have fifteen twenty years of experience. Yeah, but it's all been chaos.
0: And the most right, yeah. and the most unsatisfying version of that is a year of chop where we go nowhere.
1: Yes, which
2: can absolutely happen. We live in such an impatient world that if stuff is not moving, like sentiment used to take two to three months to go yeah. from bullish to bearish, mm-hmm. now it's two to three
0: days. We had a swing last yeah. week that Dietrich wrote about. We, yeah,
3: Ryan Dietrich said mm-hmm. that the the bulls have never gone from a fifty-two week high the AII from a 52-week high to being outnumbered by bears two to one in just a three-week period that had never happened before. I think part
2: of the reason is technology, information's being disseminated literally in real time on people's phones where you used to get in the paper your mutual fund NAV at the end of the day or like it would take time. Now it's like, Red candle, I'm bearish
3: (laughs) in five minutes. Dude, guilty. Guilty as charged. We're all
2: guilty of it because we live in such an impatient world and technology is not helping. So
0: you wrote um, that the biggest thing you learned from 2022 is patience. Yes. What did you want to say about that?
2: I realized – you know, there's a great line I read recently, which is, I can't tell you how to get rich quick, but I can tell you how to get poor quick by trying to become rich quick, where yeah. I I, I realized that over time, and it's taken me time to just relearn this, the market does, let's say, 9 to 10% a year with dividends. The best in the business do 20%. Uh, there are younger traders that I talk to that when they tell me they're like, 20% a year, I want to do that a month. And I'm like,
0: what do you, like, you know, like, they're, yeah, but weren't they, you like that when you started? I used to be like yeah, that, so exactly. I, so I'm not it.
2: making fun of it. Now, I guess in my older, trying to be mature, even though I still act like I'm 12, but <laughs> in my mature years, like I'm realizing it's slow and steady. I've actually reduced my position size, done less trading, because I realize a lot of times I might be right on something, but if I try to size up too much to make too much too quickly, I end up getting stopped out of it. So I realized that if I just reduced it a little bit, chilled out- I usually do better with patients. So it's kind of a nice relearning experience.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think 2022 was healthy because stocks only go up is not like the right way to view the market. Like it's a funny joke and like we were all in yeah. on it, but like, you know, it's not, it's not real. But I think a lot of people didn't, weren't in on the joke.
3: By um, the way, uh, to the to the regional banks going down eight percent today, worst day since 2020. Pasani just tweeted it traded 56 million shares today. The average volume is seven million. The What Ooh. the KRE, KRE ETF?
1: Wow, the
2: capitulation.
3: Yeah, uh, or at the beginning. I don't yeah, know. we'll find out. Months. Yeah,
2: volume.
0: you
1: know what I'll be doing next week. <laughs>
2: oh, you're gonna write. You're gonna be writing about regional
0: banks. Oh, I'm. Sure. You wrote about uh, banks just the other day. Yes, three banks that may benefit from rising rates. Yes. Uh, well, so, which ones were you talking about?
1: Yeah, no, it's. Um,
0: I think they all benefit from rising rates, but some more than others, right?
1: And I mean, these are your more custodian banks where they don't have the exposure to you know the loan books that you know your Bank of America's would. So you're looking at like a State Street and Schwab. Northern Trust, uh, not a Schwab, and Schwab had a rough day today. Or at yeah, least dad. double check me. Oh my God, it's down thirteen yeah. percent. Yes. Yeah, schwab's down
2: thirteen percent. What cap happened? Down five this morning.
1: It's it's the spillover of what's been going on with. Um, SVB, I mean also Schwab has to worry about deposits fleeing as rates go up because there's this competition for where people are going to put their deposits.
0: Wait, that's
2: that's s- a huge Seriously down day.
1: Yeah. Schwab-
2: but most brokerages are giving you four or four and a half percent now, right? In cash? No. A
0: lot right. of brokerages Schwab are,
3: doesn't, unless you buy the money market. A yeah.
0: lot of brokerages are waiting for you to take that. And if you don't, you're swept into something that's much lower. So a a lower cash. So you have to like opt out of the You have to choose it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, That makes sense. All right. But so you are at Northern Trust. State Street. uh, Bank of New York Mellon. These are very conservative institutions that just have oceans of cash.
1: Exactly. And most of their revenue comes from fees. Right. Um, You know, wealth management fees, that sort of thing. So basically when you look at their loan book or how they're getting their interest income, I mean, it's gravy for them. You know, so a rise in rates are not facing the same risks that some other banks do where they had to pay, you know, higher deposit betas. So any rise in interest rates basically helps them to the tune of about 4 to 7% um, increase in net interest income for these banks. Right. I mean, it is a tough thing to talk about today when we look at the shakeout in the industry. No, but
0: maybe these are where the opportunity it, – it, like these are, these are not banks that are lending money to uh, – uh, CZ. Exactly. Binance. Like that's not what's going on here.
1: Exactly. That so I mean these of. could be the safer bets in a challenging environment.
0: Okay, I don't hate it. Uh which one was the most interesting to you of the three? Not like not like which one should people buy? Uh, yeah. buy solar hold. Michael Michael will handle that part. Uh You know,
1: I mean I,
0: what, wait, why doesn't Goldman Sachs just buy Bank of New York Mellon?
1: I've They're wondered going to. that.
0: I mean They say they want to be big in the custody business. Yes, that's the third largest custodian for RAs. It's a 300-year-old institution. Like it would be genius
1: when you look at this guy's
0: trying to give credit cards to oh (laughs) 17-year-olds. What are you doing?
1: Why Pershing? And the funny thing is with that whole credit card business too. You know, like you look at the transformation of Morgan Stanley, and they got out of their Discover business because they realized it just. It's not 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 great. Yeah, it's not a—I mean, it's not to say it's a bad business, but it wasn't the right business for them. You have Goldman that was trying to do credit cards. It's like, no, just do asset management. And there's still places where you can buy banks or, you know, buy some of these custodians. Yeah. um, Probably have less regulatory risk doing that. Like, that's how you want to do it.
0: I don't think they'd be allowed to.
1: Why? I mean, just the the optics or because— Goldman Sachs is still
0: Goldman Sachs. Yeah. Morgan Stanley— was able to pull off a lot of M&A mm-hmm. in the last, and they've done incredibly well. Yes. Like, they basically stole smith Barney during the crisis. Mm-hmm. They bought E-Trade. Nobody cared. Nobody even blinked. Yeah. They bought— uh,
1: Eaton Vance. Eaton
0: Vance. Um, they've done a really good job. I think anything Goldman does is probably 3X more controversial. Right. Just because it's Vampire the Squid. Yeah. I, th- I still think that's, like, part of it. Like I think yeah. Elizabeth Warren would want to have a hearing if they said oh, we're buying God, Bank, of, love, yeah. Bank of New York Mellon the, is the plumbing of the financial system. People don't even understand like what that's underlying. Every ETF, like right. the exchanges. Like they, every, own, they own Pershing, right? They own Pershing. Yep. Okay. So yeah. anyway, that's something that I forget who was talking about that. It was uh, William Cohan talking about that, that they should do I it. I think so in Puck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that doesn't mean it's going to happen, but. That would be interesting to me. Do you guys have fun on the show today?
1: Yes. So we're going to do like a
0: brief intermission and then we'll do hour two. Is okay. That, <laughs> Just
1: what? like Broadway.
0: You guys, Broadway you guys were awesome. So much oh. fun hanging, hanging with you both. Great, thanks. great. I didn't me. know that you knew each other.
1: Yeah. Very yeah, cool.
0: No, I salt. was so
1: excited when I found out we were going to be on together.
0: It's very, very My cool. My nerves
1: went way down. Okay.
0: No, Joe, Joe is. I have that calming effect, yeah. I guess. You know
1: I'm a shy person.
0: Joe, but Joe is a sweetheart. She Joe's knows one of her the nicest finance uh,
2: better than anyone. It's amazing.
0: So we're going to we go
1: back years, though. I mean, yeah.
2: We've, we used to go to Salt almost every
1: year. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, Skybridge Alternatives. Yes. I went one year.
1: You only went one year? Uh huh. Okay.
0: Best, best week of my life. I, I, I honestly, I never had, I had so much fun.
1: That, I mean, I understand why they do the conference in New York now. But, I mean, the Las Ooh. Vegas conference when they started,
2: was great. started, you had Clinton yeah. one year, George W. Yes. one year, Melissa Lee. One of the greatest interviews I ever saw was she when she interviewed George W., 2,000 people. Then we were there one year when Tepper. Me? All right. Oh, so yeah. that was the best thing I've seen in a conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony interviewed
0: Tepper at the height of his powers. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. this is coming out of the crisis, maybe. And then he went on, like, a three-year run. and It was 2014-ish. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I remember him being chased around the hotel by just people who, I don't even know what they wanted from him. They just wanted to <laughs> They just to wanted be to, him. you know. <laughs> they wanted to, like, maybe touch him and yeah. something yeah. might rub off on them. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy was in the pool, like, trying to get a minute to himself. Yep. And the pool was surrounded by, like, 29-year-old oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, hedge fund guys. Im- I
2: can't them. You cannonballed the shadow. Yeah.
0: They <laughs> had Lenny Kravitz that year. Yep. Yeah um i f- i forget what we did i like we went They're to hide every night partied amazing like amazing political animals.
2: speakers mm-hmm. top money managers and great musical it's, it's a great conference
0: that was that was a lot of fun back in yeah. the day that's already nine years ago holy shit oh my yeah. god um here's what's great about you i didn't have a hotel room <laughs> i was in la with my brother you're like are you coming to salt i'm like i don't know i might do cnbc if i come they'll put me on the air from there you're like, all right, just come out. I'll take care of you. I'm like, I don't know what that really means. Like we're going to go out to dinner. I get off the plane. You're there waiting for me at the airport. Hotel room comp. I'm like, holy cow, Joe knows Vegas. We end up going out every night and you know every bouncer, every bartender, yeah, every waiter. It was I, incredible. I secret
2: life. You're, no, your <laughs>
0: network there is crazy. How many years did you live there? I lived there about five years, yeah. Okay, right, so. so to everyone in the audience, if you're planning to be in Vegas, <laughs> don't call me. DM, uh,
2: DM family. and reported. No, but it was just amazing to see somebody I, that I, connect. I, I, you're like Sinatra. I, well, I don't sing that well, but yeah. No, I'm I'm lucky. I know some great people here in New York, and Vegas, and Florida, everywhere. So, well, wouldn't
0: have been the same. Wouldn't have been the same downtown, uh,
2: downtown Cairo. If you need anything, wouldn't have been the same adventure without you.
0: All right, let's do favorites. Can I ask you a Broadway question? Always. What is shocked? Is that going to be cool or not?
1: Oh man, see, I, it's not one that's on the top of my list, and it's, it's not out yet. I out this week, I think. Previews, or? previews this week, I think. Okay, but
0: this is something that's coming from the Midwest to New York. Yeah, that and doesn't the, happen very often.
1: No, in the premise—I've heard it described as kind of like Oklahoma meets like Book of Mormon, which could be fantastic or a disaster. Okay. Um, it's not on the top of my list. That's one where, I mean, I normally don't trust reviews because I think some people are just mean spirited. Yeah. It's kind of one that I'm going to wait to hear some reviews. Top on.
2: three Broadway shows you've ever seen. Yeah. What are the best ones? Ooh,
1: okay. So I have a love affair with Les Mis. Um, I mean, that was like an obsession during my preteen years. Um, out now, like running now, Moulin Rouge is definitely a really fun night really? out. I, yeah, I think, um,
0: Because the story is not great. No, the
1: story is not great. The music is great. The music is great. And the production, it's like you walk into the theater and they waste no moment to entertain you. I mean, the set design, the costumes and all that. I mean, yeah, the story is kind of all over the place. um, But, you know, the performers, it's just – it's a sensory overload. Like I definitely think that's one we're seeing. And then for – other Avenue
0: than, Q. Please say Avenue
1: Q. I I know the music. I never saw it. That's though. my shit. Yeah, no, I love the that's music. That's my favorite one I ever. Saw. But I've never seen. I never saw is it. Is there
2: one you went in with low expectations that blew you away? That you just didn't think was going to be good for a, a
1: musical? No. Um, okay. for a play, and it's one that's running now, and I don't want to say low expectations, but um, Pictures from Home, which is running out with Nathan Lane, Danny Burstein, and Zoe Wanamaker. Oh, wow. I went in because it's like, how can you go wrong with that cast? Yeah, so yeah. I just went in like, all right, they're on stage. I'll. I'll watch it. You know,
0: Joe, I, Joe wants to know what you think of the one that was like based on Def Leppard and uh, Poison. What was that show called?
1: Rock of Ages? Rock, Rock of it, Ages. Rock of, Did I you ever see it? it? I never saw it. I wasn't living in New York when it was like – I don't think I was in New York when – Because
0: that soundtrack would be for me and Fahmy <laughs> for <laughs> that show.
1: Yeah. No, that one I missed. But on Pictures from Home, that one was one I went just to see the, the performers. I am not a crier. I was sobbing in the theater. Like, I mean, it's just – it's a really From the good, story? From the story. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a beautiful play, and it's just like, oh my god, I'm on the, su- I'm like the girl crying on the subway. But any anyone else who was at the play was also the person you crying. Take on Robin
0: the to that. When was the last time you took Robin to a show?
3: Never.
1: Yeah, when's the last <laughs> so, time?
0: So do that. It'll make her
3: cry. No, wait. I've I've I love Broadway. Yeah. Uh, unironically, and she won't go with me. Really?
1: Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. She won't go. Huh?
0: Why? I, mean,
3: if, I don't know. She doesn't want this. Somebody, has to we need like case. a
1: couch here now.
3: I don't know if she won't go. If, if, go I, mean, if, I, buy, if I buy tickets. You I, buy tickets, she's in. But I've said it like a, a hundred times, like, let's go see a show. She doesn't want to.
0: All right, Carlton, while we're on the topic, what's your favorite for this week?
1: Okay, so I just saw Danson. Uh, that was earlier this month. It's a Bob Fosse show. I mean, it, it's in the title. It's just about Fosse choreography. Okay. I was there with one of my friends. Is that
3: Ted Danson? No, no, yes, dancing. Ted, yes. Jazz
1: hands, the whole thing, Ted like dance. the bowler hats.
3: <laughs> it's a biopic of Ted dancing. I
1: mean, there's no story. It's Think of it like you're watching maybe yeah, about yeah. 20 music videos. I went there with my friend, um, Mary Romano, and she and I both love shows. And normally, even if I like a show, by two hours, I'm kind of like, okay, we can wrap this up. The show ended, I could have watched another hour. Oh, wow. It was just beautiful. Okay. So that would be one okay. of my favorites. TV show, finally got on the Ted Lasso I train. See. And then this is the under the radar one. There's a show on Amazon called Harlem. It's about four single women. Um, it, I mean, I hate the Sex and the City comparisons, but just for shorthand, let's say the Sex and the City, com- you know, each is kind of like a caricature, but the show actually feels real. You know, mm-hmm. you actually believe that these women are friends, and you actually believe that they have the jobs that they have, and the dynamic between friendships and the humor and all of that. Okay. I I love that show. We'll check.
0: We'll check that out.
2: Uh, Joe, what do you got for us? I don't watch TV. Out of boy. My
0: favorite shows
1: <laughs> would probably
2: be Animal Spirits, uh, Compound oh, and Friends, uh, and you love to
1: read Barons. And I read Barons, and, <laughs> and Barons
3: only
2: her articles. Yeah, uh, we appreciate
0: it, Michael. What do you got?
3: Packy wrote a post called "Internet Computers: The Third Browser War and the Fight to Bring the Operating System to the Cloud." This was amazing. It was twelve thousand words. I literally, I don't know how he does this. I read it on the airplane. Uh, there's a new browser uh, by the browser 12, company. Twelve thousand words is a book. It's a book. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, okay. it's
3: it's a, it's called it's called Arc, and I downloaded. it. I have not played around with it yet, but early indications are it looks pretty sweet. So I highly recommend checking that out. It's like the history of Netscape and Mosaic and 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 Windows and incredible.
0: All right, I'll I'll, I'll get to that. That's that's gonna be like a Sunday afternoon.
3: It's like a summer if, read if it's raining. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's <laughs> got to be a lot of conditions have to be right. <laughs> but I love Packy. Shouts to Packy. Um, oh wait! One more thing. Go Chicago. I think it's my favorite city in the country. Like even including New York, it was sort of a bummer. Hey, no. It was sort of a bummer walking down Park Avenue today. Like I just, really? I love Chicago.
1: I've never been to Chicago. I've been through the airport, but I've Stop. never. Stop. I never.
3: It, it, really. Go. I know. It, it, it's it's. It's not as big as Manhattan, but it might as well be. Yeah. And the population density is about one one hundredth. So you can go entire blocks without passing a zombie. Can't you? Like get I, can, I just can't you find I I can't there's find there's a big for you to Chicago. write about this. Like
1: Morningstar has a conference there, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's such oh, a great morning thing. Great city.
0: Michael and I wandered around yesterday. My uh, legs the, are sore. We well, we walked uh seven and a half miles. Yeah. It was and it was up and downhill. It was a lot. is there a musical Chicago?
1: Well, yeah, that brings us back to Bob Fosse.
0: Renee Zellweger was in the that movie. Just, you know. Yeah, that's right. Uh I love Chicago too. All right, only murders in the building. Anyone?
1: Yes. You're in? <laughs> yes. Of course you're in. I love it. It's like Duncan,
0: my- Duncan, no? No, John? I haven't seen it. Nobody else? So good. Cozy murder. Um, What's cozy murder? Well- eh, eh, No spoilers.
1: Well, no, I won't, no spoilers. It's- so I also watch BritBox, and they have a genre called cozy murders. So think like—
0: Non-Grizzly.
1: Non-Grizzly. Like, I mean, um, Angela Lansbury, what was oh. that show, Murder, <laughs> She Wrote? Like yeah. that kind of—yeah, okay. but sorry, interrupted so, you. So Mar-
0: Martin Short—you uh, must have liked Martin Short as a failed Broadway producer. Yes. And his biggest box—his biggest bomb— was Splash the musical?
1: <laughs> and he tried
0: to put a pool in the theater, and all the swimmers broke their necks diving into it. Yes, it was pretty great. All right, uh, I got into it because it's a podcast. It's a podcast show, basically. Mm-hmm. Like it's a TV show, but they're b- making a podcast on the show. And uh, I thought that was I thought that was really funny. All right, that's all we have for this week. It's been quite uh, quite an episode. You guys learned something from each other. I, I learned, learned a lot from both lot. of you. Yeah. I learned a lot. Yeah, it was awesome, Duncan. Did you learn anything this week?
2: I did. I learned a lot. I also, talking about reviews, I have a review to read. Let's do it. Let's do okay. it. So this one's from Drew1729. Best shape of my life. I've never been able to do cardio, but this is the perfect podcast to run to. I don't have a background wow. in finance or asset management, but these guys talk about markets in a super approachable way. They're hilarious, and they find incredibly interesting guests. The pace of the conversation is a perfect match for my cadence. And because of the cold open, their theme music, which is sick, always drops right as I get to the park. There are literally mornings where it's zero to 10 degrees out, and I think there's no way I'm going outside until I remember I get to listen to a new episode. That's if so you're nice. looking to learn about markets and investing or get in better shape, I can't
3: recommend this podcast highly I love this
0: kid. Have Nicole send him a t-shirt for sure. That's a a killer. killer. Can we find him? Can we track this guy down? Uh, Probably not. They'll have to reach out to us. All right. Don't ruin it for everyone. Hey, Drew, send us an email. All right, guys. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Um, Make sure, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show. Please leave us likes. Please leave us comments. They go a long way. We will see you next week. Thanks to Joe. Thanks to Carlton. Oh, let's get your handles real quick. Carlton can be read at Barron's and followed on Twitter at?
1: At Carlton English.
0: Beautiful. Fami, J- what's your twit- Are you tweeting? Uh, yeah, at JFami and joefami.com. joefami.com, at JFami to learn more. And thank you guys so much. We will talk to you soon.